Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Waddle and Sylvie, I'm Jeff Meller in for Sylvie as he's on vacation for the remainder of the week. Hanging out with you on Valentine's Day, the Kansas City Chiefs won back-to-back Super Bowls. They are pursuing a third. No team has ever done that in the history of the NFL. And we came in today expecting to bring you some, you know, some pretty enlightening clips from from yeah. Super Bowl parade and and like in the past you've seen we've had fun with with how Matt Nagy has celebrated with with how Patrick Mahomes is celebrated Travis, but I'm, Travis Kelsey yeah. but unfortunately that's not the story so. yeah uh, it sucks more tragic news at the Kansas City Chiefs parade earlier today there was a shooting and at least one person is dead up to 15 now have been injured, according to the latest AP News story. So we're obviously monitoring that. We'll let you know more information as we get it. But Police have also said that two people have been detained. Fans were urged to exit as quickly as possibly, and I think everything has come to a halt, obviously. Um, There's yeah, a horrible this, story coming out of Kansas Yeah, this was at, at the end of the parade as it was wrapping up, and Patrick Mahomes has put out, obviously, uh, praying for Kansas City with uh, three prayer sign emojis. So, you know, just tragic news. Hate to be, have to report it, but it is the news right now, uh, story of the day, uh, as the Kansas City Chiefs were trying to celebrate their Super Bowl championship. And so it just sucks that we have yeah. to bring the news, but it is Horrible. ongoing. So we'll let you know as we learn more. But as uh, Waddle said, two detained right now. One person dead and uh, up to 15 injured, the latest from the AP. So we turn our attention to spring training. The Cubs and White Sox both have reported. Pitchers and catchers are there, ready to go. Jed Hoyer met the media earlier today. We're going to check in with Jesse Rogers here in a moment, but did want to share with Cubs fans out there from Jed Hoyer when he was asked where the Cubs are currently at during their free agency timeline, this was the Cubs president of baseball operations response. You know, I think the closure is definitely warming up at this point. You know, um, uh, There's a lot of good free agents out there. Certainly it's been a really late evolving off season. And so um, you know, every day we're in, in, in contact with different free agents and we may well, you know, add one or more players to, to the roster. But at this point, you know, as we sit down and, and think about it, I mean, it is, February 14th, you know, it is day one of spring training, and we're trying to focus on the guys that are here. So doesn't close the door on bringing more free agents in, but he did say it seems like the closer is warming up, and I think this that's in relation to the fact that earlier, maybe a month or so ago, he referenced it being maybe the fifth inning for the Cubs in terms of their free agency plans and what they were doing, but with no real big-name addition since then... He's now said it's the closer How warming up. How do you up. believe they feel about adding Cody Bellinger? Because you have felt, I think, I don't want to speak for you, mm-hmm. but you've, your perspective has been that giving I, somebody who has had a history of injuries and, look, last year was, was fantastic, is that a one-off? Is that the exception to the rule? Is that an anomaly? Are you willing to give a player like that who has a great history prior to the injuries – 
Are you willing to dive into the deep end of the pool and give that guy a seven-year contract for close to $200 million? And I think you felt like yeah, there I, aren't many people willing to do that. Yeah, and I think that's why Cody Bellinger right now sits as a free agent at home, and we know his agent is Scott Boris. So Scott Boris is never one who wants to take anything less than the market is absolutely willing to you know, bear every last penny for the most part. And so I think that's why you see... Him right now sitting at home, not signed with any team because they haven't heard a number anywhere close to what they're hoping to get. I don't, we don't know what that number is. You know, I, I, you know, Cody Bellinger at the age of 27 last year was, you know, a really good addition for the Cubs, but it was a prove it deal. And I think ultimately when you see, you know, he hit 26 home runs for them, he had an on base percentage of 356, you know, he had OPS of 881. He was a really good player for them and he had the versatility of playing, you know, a gold glove caliber center field. Absolutely. And he also, you know, was versatile enough where he can give you gold glove caliber defense at first base as well. And so you can see why Cubs fans want him back. But I don't think I, I think when you look through his history, you see he you know he had 47 home runs back in 2019 when he won the MVP. I, I think Scott Boris is trying to sell teams more on that history rather than just what he did last year. Doesn't seem like anyone's buying that. Some of the advanced metrics to you know the, his exit velo, which I know you're a big fan of, doesn't necessarily match up with somebody who's going to go back and necessarily be a 40 homer guy. I think. I think Scott Boris is looking for a guy who's going to be paid as a perennial 40 home run hitter. And I don't think the Cubs are anywhere near that thought process. And so that's why there's a huge gap right now. But there's a lot of teams in this league who don't see Cody Bellinger as, you know, a 40 home run guy. And so that's where the disconnect is. And I don't think, I think also Jed recognizes if he's going to give some player a 100, 150, $200 million deal, that's that's a huge amount of money that he's going to be putting into a player for the future. And that's also going to potentially take him out of future 150, 200, right, if, maybe $300 million deal. If some other guys do become available. So I, I think that's why he doesn't necessarily have the appetite for a big deal like that with Cody Bellinger. But you know what? There's another guy out there who probably knows more about this than even I do, and his name is Jesse Rogers. He, of course, is brought to you by your Chicago Toyota Dealer Association, Toyota Let's Go Places. Jesse Rogers joins us on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline right now, live from spring training. Jess, what did you make of what Jed Hoyer had to say about where the uh, Cubs are at in free agency and how it maybe uh, plays to Cody Bellinger? Yeah, I mean, I think it's what anybody might say at this time of year. Yeah, we could still add, but obviously there's some some more um, specific specificity when it comes to a guy like Bellinger. Like we know what he's talking about there, and I think I think there's a chance. I I, I don't even think Matt Chapman's out of the question. Also, um, I'm not sure about those pitchers Snell and uh, Montgomery that Boris has. So I think there's a chance, but but nothing has changed to this date. Like there's there's been no movement. There's been no middle ground found between the sides. Um, there was a lot of talk today about young players and yep. growing with young players. And, you know, he mentioned a year ago, we didn't know what Justin Steele was going to be. A year from now, he's hoping we'll, 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 we'll know the names of guys that are the mainstays there, whether it be PCA or Ben Brown or Kate Orton. I mean, it just goes back to what I've said to you guys, you know, going back to the Darvish trade when they made him for four, made that deal for four teenagers, this was going to take some time. Some teams like to fast-track it. The Rangers fast-tracked their rebuild, at least at the end, right? They spent a lot at the end. 
the Cubs are not fast-tracking anything. They're letting this thing cook and letting it grow, and they're going to count on the second-ranked farm system to produce. And, yeah, Bellinger returns. They're better, but they're not any sort of favorites for anything, really. Maybe the Central, if he returns, and if he doesn't return, they're even further out. So it's a lot about young players and growth, which sounds crappy after a couple you know, years, three years, whatever, of not making the playoffs. But that's where they're at right now. And just to go to your points, guys, I mean, I understand what you're saying, Jeff, mm-hmm. but Bellinger, Bellinger is the guy that's available now right. and has produced. And there's not, there's not many lefty sluggers. They don't grow on trees, Jeff. They, they, they don't become, I'm, I wasn't sold on Bellinger a year ago, but I'll, I'll tell you what, he, he convinced me this past season, offensively and defensively. And, uh, you know, Aaron Judge's contract isn't up in, a, in, a, in next year. Otani's gone. Um, mm-hmm. Now Soto, okay. Yeah, Juan Soto, he's Soto. a lefty. He's a power sure. hit, a power yeah. uh, hitting lefty. Yeah. So there's always the next guy. But in 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 the interim, if he doesn't return, kiss away. You know, uh, 2024. I mean, even with him back, it doesn't sound like a great year. But at least in this division, you have a shot. Without him, you've traded Bellinger for Michael Bush, mm-hmm. lefty bat for lefty bat, rookie versus former MVP. So um, I don't know. I, I, I actually believe in Bellinger maybe more than a lot of people. But more than that, he's the guy available right now. Just you know? what, what would maybe, a reasonable, maybe there's a plan for Soto, but what, I don't know. What would a reasonable, digestible contract be for Cody Bellinger? I know what, I, I know what Boris would want. And I know that the Cubs would lo- want to pay less than that. But if you could find a way, let's say they went to arbitration, which I know they can't, so don't think that I'm lost here, okay? If they went to arbitration, what would an arbiter say about what Cody Bellinger would be worth? Yeah, it would be between $25 and $30 million. Let's start with that. Now, I think the Cubs probably would pay that high AAV, so it's more about the years, the total package. You know, 5 and 150 with some opt-outs, would kind of be the middle ground here, Would that right? get it done, do you think, for the Cubs? Uh, uh, for the Cubs, it very well might. It okay. very well might. Yes. I, I can't say for sure. I can't say for sure. But it would it, it would be more fitting of what they would spend. I don't think they're going to spend above what they paid Swanson. Not that they think Swanson's better, better than Bellinger. They just do not believe in those 10 years, you know, uh, $250 million deals unless it's a really, really special player. So that... I think could get it done. I don't think it'd get it done for Boris right now. Maybe yeah. it would in about three weeks. But yeah, something like that. Um, otherwise, you go really short term. You know, three years and, and uh, what seventy five, eighty million at, with opt outs after the first two years. Something like that. So there's some middle ground to be found. I just don't think Boris is there yet. Yeah, you know, I I do think, and I've talked about this with Tyler Aki quite a bit. I do think uh, Brandon Nimmo's contract that the Mets signed last year is a bit of a hang-up because he got eight years for $162 million. He's a gold-glove caliber center fielder, and he, but he hasn't had the high highs that Cody Bellinger has had as a hitter, although he's a bit more consistent um, as an on-base guy. But I think a deal like that in its, you know, in its existence from last offseason is a problem for, to your point, Jesse, the Cubs, you know, if they want, they don't want to give up, you know, $162 million over eight years for someone like Bellinger. And even that AAV might not match up for Boris's taste. So I think a contract like that existing is why you have Cody Bellinger standing on the sideline saying, no, we're not going to necessarily, you know, uh, 
fold our cards here and just you know go go into spring training on on Valentine's Day because we think somebody ultimately should end up paying us somewhere close to that deal. Whether or not he gets it, we shall see. The only thing you can do now is I think wait him out if you're the Cubs, and that's yeah, what Jet Hoyer is yeah. clearly trying to do. The other part of this is what was their long term plan? Let's go back a couple of years. It was never to sign a center fielder for the next decade mm-hmm. because they traded for one who has become their top prospect. And granted, he didn't get a hit yet. I'm talking about Pete Crow Armstrong, yep. but they, they have not soured on him. Talked to Pete today, and he's really excited to work with Council, who's basically always had young teams in Milwaukee because they weren't signing a ton of free agents. So uh, he, Crow Armstrong thinks he's ready to to do something offensively. We'll see if it's in the majors or minors. If Bellinger returns, it's probably going to be in the minors. But, again, the long-term plan was for PCA as their top prospect to take over center field, making the minimum. And then, you know, depending on how you view the Cubs, they would spend big somewhere else, or they would just go cheap in general because they've got some top prospects and they, they, come, they come cheap. So uh, that, that's my point. Like, to circle back and change their plan, they, they aren't going to break the bank for Bellinger because it just was never in the cards. He just surprisingly had this amazing, amazing season and fills a hole that they need. I mean, left-handed power. So, you know, that's why this we're where we are where we are. And, I mean, if you're Boris, you thought it was a good problem to have. Like, I have the Cubs here, who's a big market team, and, you know, he had this great season. I'll take him out in the market, but it hasn't materialized. Do you feel that there's some frustration from players inside that? And I know they're not there. All of them are there yet. Right, but do you anticipate, right. Jess, some frustration that there hasn't been more done this offseason? You know, I think that's a great question, Tom. And let's I, I, we got to let it cook a little bit here in spring training. Let, let's get to Dansby Swanson if Bellinger signs elsewhere and Chapman signs elsewhere. Until they sign, these guys can hold out some hope. Now, um, Ian Happ did did talk today. He he, and he basically said that. Let's let's see what happens here. So I don't think there's frustration just yet. And the guy to go to on this is Dansby Swanson because we know it's all about winning. He was given this vision, and maybe the vision the, the vision included the second ranked farm system. That's all well and good. That doesn't win you championships. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe in a couple of years, three years, it will. So the guy to go to on this is Swanson. But I think we have to wait a bit. We, I, I think we have to wait to see if, if they do re-sign Bellinger or Chapman or someone else. Um, and if those guys move on, then, then I do think we might hear from them. And, and you might hear some frustration. Maybe you have to read between the lines. But there's no way this team is better without Bellinger. Right. And I'm not sure they're that much better with Bellinger. They're a little bit you know, here and there. But everybody can say they're a little bit better here and there. So um, without him, that's a big hole. Do you feel like the patience is wearing thin for Cubs fans as well? And is it a valid, is it a valid emotion, the impatience or the anger, if in fact that's how the majority of Cub fans are feeling? It is a valid emotion. It is a valid emotion. I think we all thought, you know, the joke. We joked a little bit after hiring Craig Council. Oh, you know, maybe this is all they'll do because it's Craig Council. But then we're, we didn't really believe it. Right, we didn't really believe they would hire a forty million dollar manager and not back it up with a bunch of players. But that's exactly what they've done. Um, it's a definitely a valid emotion. Okay, you didn't make the playoffs in twenty one. You didn't make the playoffs in twenty two. You didn't make the playoffs in twenty three. So, I mean, what are we looking at here? Uh, maybe twenty four. Maybe, but we know that if you sneak in, it's going to be more like the Diamondbacks and not the Astros or the Rangers or the Dodgers. Right? It's going to be a mid eighties team more than likely unless they shock the world. So it's an absolutely valid emotion. 
what I hope doesn't happen, I'm not telling people how to feel, and I don't like reporting, you know, doom and gloom and all that stuff. Because from 15 to 19, I was, you know, flying high with these guys. So I love it when they win. But I will tell you, if they re-sign Bellinger and people go crazy, like, you know, that, then the Cubs have set you up. They've set you up. Because re-signing Bellinger is the least, or, or replacing with someone similar is the least they can do. The most they could do is re-sign Bellinger and, and get Otani and Montgomery, but they, they're not going to do that. They're gonna, right. The most they're going to do is Bellinger. So I think it's a valid emotion whether he comes back or not, but especially if he doesn't come back, you're pretty much giving away another year. Now, you might sneak in. I know the Cubs think the Diamondbacks are a nice little model. It happens. The sixth seed in the, in the NFC, in the, uh, in the National League, has made the, the World Series the last four full seasons. You know, Phillies, the Diamondbacks, the Nats were all the sixth seed or the bottom seed. And the Nats are the one team that didn't spend money to do it, though. So, but don't be fooled by that. The, the, uh, a run by the Diamondbacks um, happens once every decade, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, like that. So you can't be fooled by it. So I, I think it's a, a very valid emotion. And I hope. I hope Cub fans don't feel like, oh, we're, we're, we've arrived if they just re-sign the guy that um, that was about to leave. You know right. what I mean? It really does feel like, in some ways, you know, Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins, uh, you know, they're clinging to the idea, like you bring up the Diamondbacks here, that there's a randomness to the Major League Baseball playoffs that can play into your favor, right? Like, if you are the upstart underdog that does sneak into the playoffs. Because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Jesse, I don't care – you know, how we get there when we do get to the playoffs, if the Cubs somehow, some way find themselves in there, I will be taking the Braves or the Dodgers as my pick if they happen to be going up against the Cubs because those are two monster teams in the National League that the Cubs don't even seem like they're playing in the same. It, it seems like a different sport, the rosters that those two teams are trotting out versus what the Cubs have on paper right now. Yeah, but you but upsets do happen. And, and I tell you, it's not just Jed. It's, it, it's even ownership that is seeing oh, we can get in as the third wild card. Let, let's try to do that because there's randomness in the playoffs. I just don't think you want to – if you end up with a team that sneaks in and goes far, great. But I don't think that's how you want to set up your season. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want more certainty. I mean, look at the Dodgers. Look, the Dodgers aren't going to win the next 10 World Series, but they're going to have a lot of tries at it. They're going to have a lot of tries at it, and that's all you can ask for. The Cubs might have a try this year. Um, but I think you, you can ask for more in a big market. And I get it. Look, if you go back a couple of years, I, I was on board with Jed's plan in a vacuum. I understood what he was trying to do. You can't get rid of Brian Rizzo, Baez, whoever else, Schwarber, and think you're just going to you know, be back in the playoffs right away. It was going to take time. It's just that look at the Rangers. It took time, and then they fast-tracked it by spending, and they won the World Series. Yep. The Cubs are still going to take their time. And that means at least another year before you're really serious contenders, if not longer, um, depending on obviously what happens in, in free agency. But Owen Casey and Cade Horton and, and um, Ben Brown, it, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. But, you know, I'm not saying it won't happen. It's just not going to happen real soon. Do you believe that this is Jed's, like, if you, you hit him with the Waddle and Sylvie um, truth serum, truth serum that yep. he'd say he's totally cool with this approach? Or do you believe that this is not the way he would do it if he was given access to more resources? 
I actually think the first thing. I th- I mean, look, if you have unlimited resources, of course, you know, what GM wouldn't spend. And I'm not, right, but, right, right, right. Like, I, I mean, you know, I'm sure some people are, are hearing me ask that question. Like, of course, you'd rather have more resources than right. not. But, but my point is, is you know what I'm saying, Jess, is this yeah, kind of, yeah. is, is Jed going along with this approach because he thinks it's the right approach? Or is he going along with this approach because it's an edict from the front office and they're not willing to swim in the deep end of the financial pool the way no, others I th- are? Yeah, I know where you're going. I think it's the first thing. I think it's the first thing. I don't think Jed's the type of guy that wants to do a bad deal. He doesn't want to do a bad deal for several reasons. Just one, because some people don't like doing bad deals in this game. Uh, the other thing, of course, is he thinks it might hurt him down the road. And maybe, maybe, look, I don't have any doubt if they are on the verge of something big, they would spend. We've seen it before. They spent on Hayward, Lester, you know, even Swanson here. Like, but they're not on the verge of something big. So I think he's saving his shekels. He does not going to do a deal just to do a deal. I also don't think he likes to get burned. I don't think he wants um, to be hassled with the last four or five years of a guy's contract. But Jess, don't you have to continue money. to step up to the plate and take some swings? I'm not saying swing, you know, wildly. irrationally or wildly, but at some point you're, and you know you're not going to hit on all of these. Theo didn't hit on all of these. The best general managers in the NFL don't hit on all of these, but you got to keep swinging. Yeah, and it goes back to something I've said, like I've been sort of analyzing this in my mind, like what what the Dodgers have with Andrew Friedman, this small market mentality with this giant corporation that's willing to spend the the Mets now have David Stern small market mentality with an owner that's willing to spend I kind of think that Tom and Jed are similar and I don't yeah I'm with you Tom I do think look if every I just said this to you last time on the show if everybody is spending what are you supposed to do do you join them or do you stand your ground if you stand your ground then you are going to take a long time to build something special and you better get lucky with these prospects like if if everyone's spending ten years and two hundred fifty million, you probably have to jump in. That's called the market. If if, if you want good players, you're going to have to join that group. They're not willing to join that group right now. Doesn't mean eventually they can't win, but it's going to take time and it's going to take stars coming from their from within. And both those things, yeah. you know, I don't know if Cub fans are are sure of you know when it's going to happen and if the stars are there. As we uh, let you go here, uh, Jess, anything you hear from Craig Council, who was also meeting the media with Jed Hoyer, Hoyer and Carter Hawkins today, anything you heard from him that stood out? Just something small about spring training. I mean, most of these camps run the same way, right? What I love about spring training is if you watch drills, it's it's the same as Little League drills. They're doing the same thing, relays, um, leadoffs, jumps, all that stuff. The one thing he said, and this is like the Craig Council nuance that I didn't know about, um, Spring training, he likes to do real individualized coaching more than group stuff because it is the one time in a professional's career that he can get individualized coaching because the regular season, you're going, going, going. Like, he's like six weeks. We have so many coaches here. The minor league coaches are here. You can get individualized coaching. So I'm going to be on the lookout for that, just watching one-on-one sort of work, which you don't get during the season. So a nice little Craig Council twist. After that, he said he's excited about the young players as well. And like I said, like on day one, you'd love to be saying like, wow, look at Otani taking batting practice for us, or look at this shiny new object we acquired. That wasn't the case here today. It was about, oh, a year from now, I think we're going to have a bunch of Justin Steeles to, to talk about. And I know it's fun to be prospect, you know, heavy and all that, but it, it doesn't 
bode well in terms of a championship caliber team. I hope they're practicing a lot of stealing bases and moving runners along because there won't be a ton of power. Possibly, right. Yeah. Yeah, Jed, you might be right about that. Jed you was, might be right. Jed was talking about youth being the currency of today's Major League Baseball, which I do yeah. think is a subtle way of kind of shifting the conversation. But I would just say this really quickly as well, but, you yeah. know, the youth, the currency, I would suggest you have a balanced portfolio. You don't have it all in gold. You don't yeah. have it all in T-bills. You don't have it all in high, you know, uh, high-tech stocks. You got to have a balanced portfolio, all right? That's all I'm saying. No, I think you're right, Jeff, Diversified. about shifting. Yeah, I like what you said, Jeff, about shifting the conversation. I think that's kind of what they did. And I don't mean to be, again, bad bad guy here, reporter. I'm just saying, like, this is going to take time, and their offseason kind of indicates that to us all. Good stuff, Jess. Appreciate Thanks, it, Jess. man. Okay. Take care, guys. Talk a- to you soon. As always, Jesse Rogers brought to you by your Chicago Toyota Dealer Association, Toyota Let's Go Places. I do love the fact that baseball's here. Yes. I'm a huge baseball fan. And as uh, you know, you, there's a couple of baseball or basketball stories in Waddle's world. Mm-hmm. But I, I have, I think the NBA has kind of lost its grip on me a little bit. Really? A little bit. Feel- like I told you a couple of weeks ago, like Steph poured in 60. Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal went back to D.C. and poured in 45. And like I, nobody was paying attention. And I get it. We were still in the postseason of the NFL. I'm not so sure that the NBA is well. I you know the that's a uh, deeper, longer conversation. But I do think the the uh, prevalence of three pointers and and the, and the the numbers are just juiced, right? Like to a point where like sixty, seventy points doesn't register in the same way it once did. You know, and now the way players are, you know, back to back nights. You know, you never right. know exactly what you're going to get on a night in and night out basis. I do think basketball. You know, until we get to into the playoffs, it, it it's hard to, especially as Bulls fans, because oh, I don't yeah, even know I, what we're, what, what we're watching. Well, for. no, I think it's the game to, has changed. I think that, like you know, I it's changed. I said it a couple yeah. of years ago, and people kind of shuddered at it. I, I, I think for the last couple of years, you'll you see teams pacing themselves. Like, they know when to hit yeah. the gas. And I know the NBA try to put rules in now where you're not eligible. games. Yeah, but, but I still don't think that has changed no. the overall approach of these NBA teams. And you don't get the best of them until the second half of the, the, second, half of the second half of the season. And I believe tonight's the last game the Bulls play before the All-Star break, yes. right? Yes, so, correct. Um, yeah. You know, it's tough. Um, it is not the same. But we will be monitoring pitchers and catchers and baseball as it is makes its way now uh for us at least definitely it will be uh i would say what we 2a 3a i don't know because uh obviously bears and draft and nfl is still going to continue to dominate the conversation in this town with the bears having the first overall selection and what they decide to do with justin as well that will still be the main focus of all most sports fans here in town but we will definitely be checking with uh, jesse rogers periodically and he will as always be joining us on the car x tire and auto hotline as he always does all right how about we get into one of those interesting basketball stories that uh, caught our eye over the uh, overnight here um, inside of Waddle's World. You got it. Let's, Let's do, do it. that next. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Are you not entertained? Are you not it's time to find out what's on Tom's mind. Is that why you're here? As we go inside Waddle's World. 
Brought to you by our great friends and partners at Wintrust Community Bank. They are Chicago's banks. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash find us. Remember FDIC. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as uh, Jeff read the story at the top of the hour before we spoke to Jesse, uh, just a horrible story coming out of Kansas City on a day where everyone was hoping to celebrate the Chiefs' second uh, Super Bowl in two years and a tremendous accomplishment and what was a fantastic game and presentation in Las Vegas. A story coming out of Kansas City. One person is dead. 10 to 15 people injured after shots were fired at the end of the Chiefs Super Bowl parade earlier today. That's according to the Kansas City Police. Two people have been taken into custody. Uh, and if there are any updates going forward, we will bring those to you as well. Just a horrible story. Um, just very, very, as I said, just something that we were not expecting to have happen today and yeah. uh, something we didn't want to have to bring to you as well. Uh, on the uh, on the sports front, uh, there are some uh, there are some some stories, including the 49ers firing their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, after one season. I'm not surprised by this. I saw a lot of compliments about Steve Wilkes and the game plan that 49ers employed against Kansas City and how it kind of stymied the Chiefs in the first half of, of, of the Super Bowl. Look, I think Steve Wilkes is a fine coach, but you've heard I, I have I've told you guys mm-hmm. I I the reason why I picked the Chiefs, there were two reasons. One was was Patrick Mahomes. The other was I didn't think that the 49ers defense was nearly as good as some of the the headline statistics were saying. And I think if you went inside some of the analytic numbers or the, took a deeper dive into the numbers, I think some of these the statistics were a bit misleading in how they played. Yes. Um, I thought D'Amico Ryans, when they lost him, obviously he became the head coach of the Houston Texans. I thought that was a huge loss Agreed. for the San Francisco defense. Um, and I'm not horribly surprised because, I, I again, I thought that there were moments. Go back to early in the postseason. When they were playing Green Bay, I believe they, they you know, they got gutted by Green Bay's yes. rushing attack. The the Detroit Lions ran for almost 200 yards against them. I thought their game plan against Kansas City was much better in the first half. They were mixing up a lot of uh, man coverage, something they don't do a lot of. But then in the second half, I thought Dan Orlovsky on Monday on Get Up showed a great series of of, of plays. The video of mass confusion in there on the defensive side of the ball for San Francisco in the second half of that game. They lose Dre Greenlaw at the nine-minute mark of the second quarter, and it just it looked like a fire drill out there when, when Kansas City was using motion. This uh, just came across my timeline. I find it interesting. A good old uh, Jason Brickbreaker Lock and Fora oh, yeah. had an interesting tweet uh, around 2.48. Kyle Shanahan, eternal scapegoater. Drops Steve Wilkes after shutting down Mahomes in regulation, knowing no D.C. jobs are open. Kyle didn't tell team OT rules, made stupid decision in OT, quit running ball, couldn't score 20 points in 60 minutes. Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, Purdy, all mundane. Jason Lockenfora apparently uh, carrying some water for Steve Wilkes there. And I would suggest that more than one thing can be true at the same time. Like, I can sit here and tell you, I think Kyle Shanahan made a huge mistake accepting the ball yes. 
to start overtime. He didn't have his team prepared. We've been over that yes. for the overtime rules. We but, agree. But right. Steve Wilkes doesn't mean he did a good job as their defensive coordinator. No, I, and I, I'm not horribly surprised that they made this decision. Um, on the other side of the field was Steve Spagnolo, who was signed to an extension. They've signed Steve uh, Spags to a... I don't know how long is the extension. I can't see. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if I actually saw are you Where are you at in terms of Spags being a Hall of Fame worthy No, I like, And we kind of got into it a little bit yesterday. It's just I can't. You know, the unfortunately for him, the problem, too, is that he has been a head coach. And, and it was kind of a disaster. Yeah. And, you know, and that, not all was his fault because the Rams were in St. Louis at the time. And they were in the middle of, you know, a whole issue moving, to, you know. Where they, were, where they had their eyes on L.A., and it was not a very talented team when he was the head coach in St. Louis for the Rams. So it went very poorly for him there. Um, I just, yeah, I have a hard time, you know, saying that he should be in the Hall of Fame when so many other great players and even head coaches, you know, have a hard time getting into the Hall. You know, it, I'm with you. I'm not there yet where I would say, yes, he goes in, but he's done something that no one else you has know done. What the he's been very impressive. With, you know, for all the... Super Bowl wins that he may accumulate as the KC defensive coordinator, it's always going to be Patrick Mahomes, yeah. where I have a hard time, you know, deciphering how much of an impact Spags has. That's true. You know. It's so. the youngest defense in the National Football League right know, now yeah. as well. Oh, they're really good. So There's like, no doubt about it. I, I mean, I, I that's why I was surprised to see the 49ers were the favorites to win the Super Bowl early on in Vegas next year's Super Bowl. Yeah. You know what's interesting about those odds is that like it, you look at it and it's, it feels like the Chiefs' de- uh, offense, just by sheer volume of whatever they do in the draft, you know, it seems like it should be a better offense next year. It, it, it can't no possibly, question. you can't possibly have a worse receiving core, right? No, you wouldn't I'm, think so. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's only going to get better, and and you know that that Mahomes is going to be dedicated to being his best self as well. Uh, I don't know if this is. Jim Harbaugh just trolling us? I don't think it's him trolling people. Okay. We take everything kind of personally around here, don't we? We make it about ourselves is probably the best way to say this. But uh, Mark Tressman is back in the NFL. The former Bears head coach was hired as the Chargers' senior offensive assistant today. Spent the last three years as a professor at the University of Miami School of Law, where he received a degree in 1982. And that's following a stint as the head coach and general manager of the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers. Um, he also contributed, I, I, I think I saw some of this, uh, to the 33rd team, which is a website that features former coaches. Yes. Think about this. Good. You've got Nagy, Getze, and Trussman all in the same division. Good old selfish and undisciplined Mark Trussman. Get to see each other twice a year. I, that is factually correct. I don't know how to respond to it, though. Like, <laughs> Just I'm a kind little of, nugget. Yeah, Just, it is. You, it don't, is. you don't need a response. Who okay. Could, who could Sean Payton bring in to be his offensive coordinator? Foxy. Well, it doesn't and matter. Just bring him to the staff. Well, I mean, it's, it's, no, it doesn't matter who your offensive coordinator is. No, no, For Sean Payton? Aaron me, Cromer. I'm just, That's a good one. Is Aaron Cromer in the game? I don't even know if he's still coaching. I'm just saying. I want to say he's with the Bills. You're right. It wouldn't matter because Sean Payton would be the the guy who's calling the offense. But I just want now a Bears OC to go work for him and get Adam Adam Gase back in there. There you go. Is he in football? I know Dowell Loggins is in college, right? Isn't he in the college game somewhere? I think you're right, yeah. 
We should go through a where are they now? Adam Gase is just counting his money right now that he's uh, his couple uh, had coaching contracts that he didn't uh, see to the to, to the finale. Yeah, Cromer is with the Bills now, he offensive is. line coach. Adam Gase is a former American football coach. Okay. And by the way, about that Travis Kelsey bumping and yelling at Andy Reid, um, says it was unacceptable. He's he's cop to it not being the right thing, obviously. Uh, he was called out by his brother Jason his as well podcast, on their yeah. new Heights podcast for bumping Andy Reid and screaming in his face during the Super Bowl. Said his actions were unacceptable. Jason said to his brother, you crossed the line. I think we can both agree on it. I did. Travis Kelsey agreed. I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and I'm getting him off balance and stuff. This is that's an instance where, you know, I I will say Andy Reid just being calm and collected and allowing Kelsey to have the moment where he did cross the line, but Andy Reid not losing his cool, not like, you know, throwing Kelsey into the locker room, just understanding the moment and saying, you know what, he letting him lose it for a moment and then, you know, renting him back in. That's a good job by Andy Reid because I do think there's some other coaches who, if a player, even if it was a star player, had gone off on them in the middle of the game, they may not have reacted in in the calm, cool, and collected fashion that Andy Reid did. No, you're right. Did you see the other nugget from his podcast, too? Um, Is he getting married? No, 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 no. He said that, so he's a part of the coin toss for overtime. And he said when they... When was he? I thought it, I thought at the coin toss at ha- or for overtime, it looked like it was just Fred Warner and, no, 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 there were and Patrick. Ch- I know there were a lot of weren't there a lot of I thought a lot of Chiefs went out there. There were for the opening coin toss, but you're talking about the overtime this is coin the toss? Overtime coin okay, toss. Okay, I didn't see that. Um he said when they said that they wanted to receive, the ref look the ref looked at Fred Warner and said, Are you sure? Sure you want to receive? And he said, Yes, yes, I want the ball. Kelsey said that? No, the ref said that. No, 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 but but I didn't do you I don't remember that. And I was watching that coin flip. I don't remember that being the case at all. And so who who's reporting that? That's Kelsey. Kelsey said Travis it. Kelsey said Yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm not sure if that I've got I it on my I, I've got it on my DVR. I can go back. Can and you watch that tonight? That's I your, watch your tonight. is that your your homework assignment? Yeah, I'll text you tonight and uh, let you know what uh, happened. By the way, Charlie Rice uh, Weiss rather, I guess, ripped Tony Romo and CBS for the broadcast. I think he said, "I'd rather throw up." Get in line, Charlie. You're not the only. Yeah, Charlie one. Weiss would rather puke than listen to Jim Nance and Tony Romo call a Super Bowl. I try to watch the game and not let the announcers ruin the game for me. Weiss said on airing it out on Sirius XM mm-hmm. alongside Giants radio announcer Bob Papa. Where were Bob in Los Angeles? Good guy. It's not like I can listen to anybody like Papa doing the game. There are some announcers I really enjoy listening to, but then there's announcers where if I have to listen, I'd rather go to the bathroom and throw up. Sunday, that was one of the times when. I prefer not to listen to the announcers and watch the game. And the one thing I'll say is that I thought it was actually one of his Tony's better games. I did too. Uh, in recent vintage. And now there, I, I thought that not at the great, end of though. the game with a McCole Hardman touchdown catch, I thought they were kind of late to the... Yeah, but Tony, that, as you were mentioning, was trying to he, explain. He, he was, he, he, it, was, it was the right thought because I do think Tony Romo was doing a good job because I do think he recognized that a lot of people, probably half the 49ers roster, didn't understand what the rules were of overtime yeah. since they hadn't really experienced it before. So I thought it was a good job by him alerting people that don't worry, the clock is running down, but the Chiefs don't need to concern themselves with that because the game does not end. The problem was 
he was butting up right against the snap, the, game winning the final play. snap, yes. and it turns into the game-winning play, and so he's trying to rush through it. He yeah. didn't really complete the thought. So while I thought the idea was a good one to try and tell the audience at home, he didn't convey it quickly enough, and he was on top of Jim Nance's call. And then when Patrick Mahomes completes the pass to McCall Hartman for the game-winning touchdown, he didn't let the moment breathe. He jumps on top of Jim Nance's call. Uh, you know, Jim Nance's like, jackpot. They're in Vegas. It's yeah. a good call. But before he even gets the final word out, it seems like Tony Romo's can't wait to call Patrick Mahomes Michael Jordan. Yeah. So so I think there were a lot of people. But I agree with you. I thought I thought it was overall the broadcast itself was pretty good. Yeah, he started. I think at, it was yeah. the worst thing I'd heard. But, the, you know, the bar is quite low. All right, when we come back, I've got that uh, weird basketball story that I know Tyler wants to uh, talk about as well. There's a little bit of a White Sox story and a Gen Z Valentine's Day story that I want to bring to your attention, along with some other stuff as well. That's next. You might see in today's quarterbacking, a lot of it is... Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. I know you're not much of a golf fan, but uh, for those that are, this is... uh what are you talking about? I'm Mr. Waste Management Open guy here. Well, that's, yeah, I mean. That was SVP's one big thing yesterday. What was his thing? What did about he say? The, the crowds at uh, the Waste Management. What, what was his response? I'm trying to remember the exact way it was put, but he was basically like, what the hell? Like, what's going on here? Well, what, I'm did with you me, expect, but what did you expect, That's what I was going to say. Was, when you invite the, you know. Like, like, it's been ramping up year after year for the last five years. You invite the fox into the chicken coop. What do you expect <laughs> to happen? It got too big right? for itself. That's what happened. It got too big for itself. Like they were, I think that there's going to be, I think you made the point the other day, I think there's going to be a happy medium between party golf and what you experienced. Like, because that's what Liv is doing, that's right? What Liv, Liv should be the ones that find the happy medium in it. They should be the ones that, because if it's, the thing is that out of all the stops on the PGA Tour, that's the one party yeah, right. Party place, doesn't happen right? all the time. That's the only time yeah. that the golf course turns into a playpen. Now, if Liv does it every single week, oh, yeah. then you're not going to get that level of debauchery no. on the course. I would just say, go have some fun, but tap the brakes. Like, I don't, I mean, it doesn't need to be. You say that, and here's the thing, though. There's a lot of, there's, it's a large percentage of people that go out there and have fun. But the problem is. When you get thousands upon thousands of people, well, two hundred thousand people attending the event, it's only going to take no, I know, I know, you know, ten, twenty people getting We've, blackout drunk uh, and, yeah. and sliding down mudslides because you're you're stumbling over. And I did. Did you see? Danny sent us the video of the oh, guy the guy propping up his buddy. winning punt. And it, I it, haven't been that drunk, and I can't tell you how long. Uh, like that is dangerously drunk. Yeah. I think the last time I was even close to that drunk was the Super Bowl party, the last Super Bowl party we threw, and I fell asleep and went. Well, I didn't. I, I that went was the last sleep. time the Chiefs played the Niners, right? Was that what it was, or was it the because you, you weren't the Eagles, Chiefs? Maybe it was the year before the last year we had the Super Bowl party, and I woke yeah. up and I had my boots on and my jeans on and my jacket on at one thirty or two in the morning. I had to get up and puke. And then I went back to bed with all of my gear on and went back to sleep. I didn't even bother to take it all off. But that's the last time I was even close to that drum. Anyway, uh, 
Vern Lundquist is getting set to call his 40th Masters on CBS in April. Mm-hmm. He has announced that this will be his final Masters for the network. Love Vern. Vern doesn't do. When was the last time Vern did college football? Like he he quit a while ago. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. And that was a sad was like day five, for me. five years ago. At this point, uh, White Sox fan Jeff Meller, mm-hmm. Crochet. Uh, Gary Crochet. Crochet is set to join the mix for the White Sox rotation. What do you think of that? An early offseason conversation between White Sox left-hander Garrett Crochet and general manager Chris Getz ultimately finished with Crochet following a starting pitcher's path in 2024. Might as well. They drafted him originally, initially, with the thought that he might be somebody who could, who could be in their rotation. He's got, you know... Uh, good stuff when he's healthy. He just hasn't been healthy. I don't know the translation of, you know, I will say this. I do think if you give a guy an opportunity to be a starter who can pitch every fifth or sixth day, I think that routine actually might be more beneficial to staying healthy. Whereas a guy who comes out of the pen with, you know, even though they're better about it from a, on a day in a day out basis, they still, I think relievers get overused and taxed on their arms more so than, you know, starters do because they're asked to throw every other day more frequently. And so use, I think relievers kind of get used and abused more. So maybe, just maybe, this could be a path to, and honestly, I, I, I don't know what the starting rotation is going to look like. Trying to guess the White Sox starting rotation right now is a, uh, a little bit silly in my opinion. Right. So why not gamble on the upside? He's That's thrown 73 innings this in his career. Yes. Yeah. So, again, though, as a reliever where he's never been able to stay healthy. So maybe. And, and the one year when they were good, he was very good. Did and, you see, and then he was out. Did you see the graphic the White Sox put out today, too? It's like they're back to back to work graphic and it's the pitchers and catchers on the team in a graphic. It's one the, of the only more, thing I can think of is Chris Getz saying I don't like my team. It's one of the most uninspiring <laughs> things I've ever seen. When you look at the, like the names that are on there. Um. I know uh, I was, I mean, I, it doesn't even phase me anymore, but I saw Steve Greenberg of the Chicago Sun-Times yesterday. I, I think I sent it to you. He, he arrived at White Sox uh, camp yesterday and said he, he immediately, the first person he saw was Tony La Russa walking yeah. around. Uh, the it's more crazy. And then change, I saw, I saw the a tweet the same. that Pedro Grafal was, it was brought to his attention that Pakoda, I yes, guess, has, a, yeah. has them having a 0.0% chance of making the, playoffs. making the playoffs. I don't even know how that's possible. And it's, I believe he said, well, it's great bulletin board material. Mm. Like, really? All right. I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's insane. I can't believe we're at this point, you know. Even having a, a year or two removed from trying to be in the mix for your championship window. Uh, Tyler, there was a story that drew your attention and your ire NBA related. The Warriors, according to Woj, made a bid for LeBron James at the trade deadline. Hmm. But here's the thing. If LeBron says no and the Lakers says, say no, it's over. What's the story? This is just a collection of buzzwords here. You bring Draymond Green, the Warriors, LeBron, and the Lakers, and it's just a a clash of the titans of buzzwords there. This is the biggest non-story. This is my frontrunner for dumbest story of the year in 2024 in sports. Isn't it? I mean, is it the biggest non-story? If LeBron says no, the answer is no. That's true, but do you believe that the Warriors, who I think have made a little bit of a run now, haven't they? At one point, they had won seven of eight. They're 26 and 25 now. They're above 500. The fact that they they reached out to the Lakers. Tyler Rocky has inquired to Sidney Sweeney about being his Valentine today. 
End of story. It's a it's a non-story. I think the crazy thing is that the, Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. That's your you girlfriend. Sydney Sweeney. No. no. Euphoria. Yeah. Come on, Waddle. I don't know. No. Who is Sydney Sweeney? What else was she in? I was going to say Bree's your girlfriend, not yeah. Sydney. Swe- Who's Sydney Sweeney? I'll show you during the break. Actress. She's yeah. a, a famous young actress. actress. Are you saying like you were? How dare you on <laughs> Valentine's Day? How dare you? You suggest that she would be your Valentine instead of your, exactly. your girlfriend. It just shows the absurdity of the story. By the way, Gen X men are buying their girlfriends Lego flowers for Valentine's Day. Nice. Nice? Why not? That's weird. Just buy them real flowers. Lego flowers? Are you, have we, to, you have to actually put them together, I would assume, right? Like, it shows more no, it doesn't. initiative. No. What do you mean? No. Are you giving Kevin high marks, showing the initiative, coming to work to print out his Valentine's Day card? Absolutely, because okay. he went. You know who? You know what? You know, Sydney Sweeney was the daughter in the first season of White Lotus. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. You remember her? Yes. So now we've just figured out something about you, Tyler. <laughs> we know who you uh, who, who you have your eyes on. I okay, think it's a pretty universal. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Alone. Oh, really? She's kind of like, you know, top of the power rankings okay. right now. Okay. That's fine. All right. When we come back, I believe this is new, isn't it? This Albert Breer, uh, you know, quote that he has. Yeah. He did a mailbag for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. He's got a uh, he's got an interesting quote in there about the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe the interest in Justin Fields. Mm. And you know what? That will lead us nicely into some Albert Breer sound from Cap and Jay Hood that we never played yesterday that I wanted to. Look at that. We'll put it all together. We'll do that next on Waddle and Sylvie. Tonight, we're drinking from the...